Hi everyone, welcome back to the Behind Her Success podcast. My name is Anjola and I am your host and we are back again with another amazing episode with two phenomenal guest speakers. So please sit down, relax and enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Hi everyone. Welcome back to the Behind Her Success podcast. We are welcomed and joined today by two amazing, amazing women. So I'm here with Nadia and Rial. Um, Nadia, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Sure. Hi, my name is um, Nadia. I'm currently working at PwC as a management consultant specialising in change management. And I am half Bangladeshi and half Scottish and I live in West London. And Rial. Hello, hello. Please introduce yourself. Hey, hey everyone. Uh, I'm Rial. I'm from South London. Um, both my parents are Indian and I work for a global consulting firm um, called Slalom in London um, as a strategy and experience design consultant lovely thank you so much ladies and i'm so excited to have both of you guys on for those that don't know real and nadia i work with them on my placement year and it was just so lovely to meet both of them that i knew that once the time comes, so we're going to we're going to do something like this so of course i had to get them both on and today like i said in the introduction episode we are going to have some discussions that are quite societal something that links to us as students, us as professionals. And today's topic is going to be glass ceilings in the corporate world. So for those that don't know, Google has defined a glass ceiling as an unacknowledged barrier to advancement in a profession, especially affecting women and members of minorities. So guys, what do we think? Because I remember the first time I heard about glass ceilings, I don't actually think it was that long ago. I think it was probably when I was around 17 years old. So I was not old, but still like quite far in my teens when I first heard about it. So um, I'll start with Rial. Do you actually believe that glass ceilings exist? Because I know that some people kind of look at it as like a facade or another thing that women and minorities have kind of just made up there to kind of um I'm not I can't remember the exact phrasing that I heard before but just kind of like another barrier for them to get to where they want to be but it's not Mm -hmm. in actuality the same thing so what are your thoughts do you think gas ceilings actually exist or yeah um I definitely believe that they exist I've definitely experience it firsthand and just like in general like men still occupy most of the you know executive positions in corporations or like around the world in positions of power um I remember when (laughs) I remember when um I was just like reading an article and they said that there's like more CEOs named Peter than there are just female CEOs in general in the UK wow and I actually think like that's a crazy statistic because I just think statistics like that really make you think about you know, there has been progress since the glass ceiling kind of term was coined. I think it was like in the 1970s, there's been progress because firms have now been kind of forced to put initiatives in place and like, you know, publish a gender pay gap or ethnic pay gap um, and share that more widely. But there's still so much to go. um, And I think, you know, companies still have a a long way to go. And there's, you know, I've, I've seen it myself in like some of the companies that I've worked at that, um, you know being an ethnic minority is 
you know, a disadvantage, you know, being an ethnic minority and a woman is an even more disadvantage. Um, so I think, yeah, if you don't think it exists, then read a book. Love the answer. And Nadia? Yeah, I completely agree with everything that Rial just said. And I actually read a Forbes article and I think, of course, we are all aware and most people and most companies are aware that glass ceilings exist. And I think there's been a lot of progression in terms of equalising men and women. And I think women tend to look at the glass ceiling or people tend to look at it as like women face the glass ceiling. But what I actually think is much more interesting is that whilst there's a lot of sort of um, progression in DNI initiatives for women, women are not a monolith, first and foremost. A white woman is not exactly the same as, you know, a person who's from a completely different background or a different age or any different intersection that could be affected. Um, and I think that this, the statement that stood out to me the most was that the issue with this, the blanket statement of breaking a glass ceiling is obviously that it fails to recognise that women are not a monolith and for some women it's a glass ceiling but for other women it's a concrete roof so mm-hmm. wow I love 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 that I love both of your answers and I think it just highlights the fact that if people do fail to acknowledge that there are glass ceilings for women and especially for women of color that's the beginning of the problem if you can't Mm -hmm. see the glass ceiling obviously we know that it is glass like I get why that is used as the metaphor but your failure to see that other people have a completely different reality to you is the start of the problem like fundamentally do you guys agree yeah definitely I think if you don't see the problem then how can you like work on it I think you know there needs to be more people that are allies of kind of the things that you know people that like you know me and you guys like go through um you know there's stuff that goes on that people might not know about for example like microaggressions or you know we might not be able to relate to people in our workplace because they don't look like us for example you know I'm not going to talk to a senior man about the cricket and then you know I've got nothing in common with him like what are we can have in common so yeah. I think like it's hard to relate to some people in that way and sometimes that can affect who you know and how far you get how quickly you get to the top um but yeah I just think you know you have to kind of accept the problem and I think it is sometimes people think it's just our responsibility as ethnic minorities and females to kind of point out the problem and educate people but I think if you're like a real ally you should take that upon yourself as well to educate yourself there's so many resources out there there's it's not just down to you know the disadvantaged people to educate others for example like the books I read a book recently called Invisible Women um, and it was talking about how men are used in like the standard default for a lot of things so for example like medical testing product like product design which creates discrimination towards women um and like that has underrepresentation of women in data in general so that has a potential to bias decision making and I think you know a lot of these things you know if a man was to read this book it might be a bit like eye-opening on some of the things that we face and the disadvantages we face and I think it's not always up to the people the disadvantaged groups to educate others so yeah I think it's yeah I think it's tiring we don't have time to educate like on top of doing Mm -hmm. our jobs as well and I think that I find that in a lot of either corporate jobs that I've been in or companies that I've worked at that D&I is just and 
for those on podcast diversity and inclusion is just very tokenistic so mm-hmm. people will get asked especially I don't know for example it's black history month my black colleagues will get asked to, to put something together or when it's Diwali I know Rial was asked to do things in the past yeah and it's all sort of like you're asked to do it and you put all of this effort in and it's all just kind of can be quite fake Mm -hmm. um and it's not necessarily taken in so it's like as much as we try to educate people I think that sort of like self-actualization and realization and understanding has to like come from within and I think people have to want to sort of change change that 100% I think you hit the nail on the head with the people have to want to change because like you said earlier some people experience glass ceilings other people experience concrete ceilings concrete doors ceilings everything like around them so if you fail to acknowledge that these are some people's realities and these Mm. are the barriers that people face every single day of their lives and you're just kind of expecting that all that education piece and everything like that's just going to come to you you are fundamentally part of the problem yeah and so I'm going to ask you both. You both started your careers, your professional careers in consulting. So as an industry, do you think that glass ceilings are less prevalent in consulting than other industries? Or do you feel as though it's like an average sort of rate? Like you can compare it to your friends or families that work in different industries. Like as an industry, do you think that consulting has more glass ceilings? Uh, We'll start with Rial. Um... I I definitely think consulting you know has glass ceilings I don't think it's less prevalent in other industries but for me what I've experienced is that there is sometimes a lot of bias in consulting for example the projects that you get placed on um, sometimes it's like who you know rather than what you know and like it's not always based on your skills and stuff it's got a lot better but I think the problem still exists and that kind of creates a barrier to the areas you want to work or learn um, and develop Um, in terms of kind of gender like there's equal amounts of females and males I've seen um, but less females obviously in those senior positions and I do think on a whole in consulting there's just um, a lower level of ethnic minorities um, and there has been so many great programs that I hope like you know the university students that are listening to this are kind of taking advantage of and reaping the benefits of like Bright Network, Rare Recruitment, SEO London, mm-hmm. Upreach that have really put like an emphasis on trying to help those from disadvantaged backgrounds to kind of get a platform and you know into consulting. I think back in the day I never knew what consulting was and some of my friends had um my some of my white friends had parents that worked in consulting and kind of knew that industry whereas for me I don't my parents don't work in that area and they had no idea so I didn't really have anyone to kind of guide me or um explain to me what consulting was and you kind of have to learn that for yourself so um yeah I think comparing it to my friends I think it's a definitely a different industry that I can't really speak on on other industries but yeah for Mm -hmm. me there's a lot of bias and you know there is a glass ceiling that's in consulting yeah Nadia yeah so I did I'd generally agree with Rial so I 100% think that um there's still glass ceiling in consulting and especially in big corporates as well as Rial mentioned I think there's more sort of gender parity in the lower levels up till about middle management and then it still tends to be predominantly white males Um, and I know that we're seeing sort of some changes but it is very slow and it is quite gradual Um, I know that in other industries that's worse 
I'm not saying consulting is the best, but I know, for example, in like law and in banking, there's still quite a lot of nepotism and it's still mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. more male dominated than consulting. It doesn't make it better. It just means that they're in a worse position. And I kind of agree with Riel. And I think whilst there are a lot of like DNI initiatives, there's quite a lot of unconscious bias. And I would say in all three of the companies that I've worked at, it's who you know, and it's it's not necessarily meritocratic or it's meritocratic to a certain percent, maybe to 60%. And the other 40% is who do you know? Do you go to the pub with them? Do you get on with them? Can you have lad banter? And Mm -hmm. that's kind of the icing on the cake that tips you over. So, you know, if you've got two people and they're up for promotion, let's say, and one of them can, you know, do all the lad banter in the chat and gets gets on and can play golf or whatever, and you've got the other person who's not necessarily from that background, it does tend to lean towards the person who knows the right people. Um, But having said that, I know, for example, at my company, PwC, does have some good initiatives so in terms of social mobility they actually removed the criteria for having a 2-1 to apply as a graduate which is really interesting and really helpful with social mobility Mm -hmm. and then there's definitely some other great initiatives as well so they have a women in tech um, internship program and I think um, another similar one for students of, of ethnic backgrounds as well for internships too. So it's good to see that, but we're definitely not where we want to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. We're going to go back to your point on type of like the cult. Real? Yeah, um, I, I definitely agree that like the pub culture, the lad banter, all of that is definitely affecting like your promotion case like within consulting this might not even just be consulting in in general like if you don't socialize with some of the senior people or get to know other people then people don't really know who you are you can't make like a name or a personal brand for yourself um so I think you know if I can't go on like if I don't go on like a golf day or go to pub you know social that could impact my promotion and I think also that makes people in a way work harder to get their name out there so that might just be people like to be you know credible for different things for example you might have to work harder so people know your name in terms of the work that you're doing and that comes with like feelings of exhaustion frustration Mm. and stuff like that because you're having to work harder than other people who might be able to go to a pub and then make some jokes with some senior people and then they'll be like you know (laughs) you know it's just yeah I think the UK culture for that um especially the pub culture the drinking culture definitely affects that Mm. yeah Nadia yeah, I completely agree. And I won't say which company it was, but one of the companies that I worked at, <laughs> one of the companies that I worked at um, during a performance round, they actually said that I wasn't speaking to enough of the right people and suggested that I should go to more after work drinks and social events. And I don't really drink so I find that a bit frustrating and I didn't particularly enjoy a lot of their company so I didn't want to spend time with them outside of work and and I just thought this is really unfair I base it off my work um but all jokes aside though I think it is quite frustrating because especially in the corporate world as well and I think as Ange mentioned you know the whole corporate world is like centered around men and it's centered around men being able to like 
go to the pub and have a drink and play golf mm-hmm. um but I don't think that that takes into account like the role of like a woman in society like what if you're what if you're a mother also I think in like our community so I'll speak for myself but you guys can probably chip in as well I think there's a lot more like familial and like community responsibilities that you know you kind of have to commit to in the week like it's my family I want to see them I want to spend time with them um Mm -hmm. I'll see them after work I might have like a dinner at least once a week and I think that's they can often see that as like an excuse or not turning up or not putting in the effort in and I think that's Mm -hmm. really disheartening to see Mm -hmm. I remember when I was working with an intern last year and she didn't really drink that much and um, I think someone asked her at the pub they were just like to her oh how comes you don't drink and I think questions like that you might think are just harmless but that there might be like several reasons why someone might not drink in the sense that you know they it could be a religious reason it could be like a medical reason Mm. I think you know it's difficult for people I think sometimes like especially with ethnic minorities like having to explain yourself sometimes makes you feel uncomfortable and then not being able to go to the pub because a lot of the socials in a lot of the corporate world is centered around drinking and going to the pub um even if it's like some activity it'll probably just end up going to the pub after so I think it does put you in kind of a disadvantage so yeah I agree Mm -hmm. with Nadia 100% I think what's interesting as well is the fact that people sort of expect people that for example aren't involved in the drinking culture to have to give a valid reason every single time we, we don't have to like I when I was on my internship I went to the pub maybe about like twice I think at the start and then literally at the end and both times I didn't drink I think it's respectful when you just understand that a person doesn't want to like even if it's not religious reasons or um, personal preference, you don't need to pry. That's someone's private reasons, that's someone's private life. And I think there's that kind of like expectation that you have full access to a person or you've got full access to their personal lives just because you work in the same office. Because you don't. Like people need to learn to be respectful of boundaries and also see differences in other people. Because ultimately, if you've got a culture and you've got a sort of society within the corporate world that focuses solely on how relatable is this person to me how are you actually going to get the diversity that you're looking for so badly because if you're looking for people that are just the same as you where is this diversity of thought that your company is so interested in finding do you get what I'm trying to say yeah exactly yeah and I think also a lot of the things that companies do, for example, some DNI initiatives, um, so the Western Inclusion Initiatives, um, trying to celebrate different events, like there is some meaning behind that. And I think they really do want to, like, you know, be respectful of different cultures and stuff like that. But I think sometimes it become, become very performative. And it's yeah, 100%. that which takes away kind of like the essence and kind of what the um what the <laughs> what the um meaning behind putting actual effort into DNI is. So I think less of the performative stuff is definitely what companies need to do. A hundred percent. A hundred and ten percent. So let's go all the way back to you guys's early teens, childhood, even maybe like uni times. What was your first experience in understanding glass ceilings? When was the first time you heard about the term? When was the first time you really began to understand what a glass ceiling is and how it affects the lives of those it's targeted towards? We'll start with Nadia. 
Thanks. No, I so I think I think I've always been acutely aware because I actually went to a girls' school. So I think it was in a way shoved down our throats but Mm. again in that very monolithic way because I went to a very white um girls school so it was like oh women women empowerment women blah blah you know how it is or or maybe you don't or maybe you don't um so I think that was always shoved down my neck and I always it was always about like women empowerment and career driven from a young age I was conscious from that perspective but I think when it most resonated with me is when I saw it in my own family so on my mum's side so my mum is ethnically Bangladeshi and so my aunties are as well and they actually had to move continents to progress in their careers so one of them ended up moving to America and one of them ended up moving to Singapore and then America and that was just essentially because of you know the politics and not being able to progress in the same way that potentially a white male was um, so I think actually seeing them having to move to make those career jumps when they're both really capable, able women um, sort of heightened my awareness that a lot of the bias that plays into um, glass ceilings. And then um, so that was probably I noticed that in my teens and then I think starting work. So on placements or my first job, I think you just start seeing how people are treated differently and how some people are slightly favoured over others or how small things are said or how small things are taken into account that, you know, isn't taken into account for other people. Um, mm. So, yeah, so I think from then as well, it became more, more apparent in my own life. Mm, that's really interesting about um, your aunties having to literally move continents for career progression. Like, if it's that's actually crazy, but I think it's, it's kind of good in a way not what they're doing but the fact that you were so aware at su- such a young age it's kind of like it gives you time to prepare I think when you go into something like the big corporate world blind to the reality of it I'm not saying it can necessarily set you back but I think it can mentally take a toll on you because you don't understand the, the reality of what you're getting yourself into I definitely agree with Nadia on all of that um I also went to a girls school and the thing is when I think about what they taught glass ceilings to be I think they always said that the glass ceiling kind of was just something that affected women like they'd always be like oh the glass ceiling for women rather than seeing the other angle of glass ceiling for ethnic minorities and other disadvantaged groups in general and you know disadvantage can mean you know neurodiverse people as well so I think that's something that people always forget that it's not just about breaking the barrier for women it's for the other disadvantaged groups um and I don't think I I think I was definitely aware of it um I studied economics at university and we did modules on labor economics and how women are just disadvantaged in different countries because of that for example especially in um some like middle eastern countries they don't have the same advancement opportunities um but I think definitely I saw it firsthand for myself when I entered the professional working environment because when I started my job I really found that there weren't people that were senior that looked like me in different roles like Mm -hmm. I had no I had like one role model like this amazing role model that we all know like I'll say her name but Niran was just she was like you know he is literally the best like we both worked Mm -hmm. in diversity inclusion together and she really took the time to uplift me in the sense of helping me to grow skills that I was weaker on and I think everyone needs that um to see someone like you in a senior position and I think when I didn't see that and I saw you know other people that 
you know had people like white people that they could relate to um i think that's when i kind of noticed it the most and i've been heavily involved in diversity inclusion kind of like my whole life in some parts of like university um and some and like at work too and I think it's something I definitely enjoy but I think you also see kind of the difficulties behind it in the sense of looking at you know the gender pay gaps analyzing that and then seeing how disheartening that can be so I think mm-hmm. yeah there's just a lot to it um but glass ceilings are not just for you know women they're for ethnic minorities and neurodiverse people mm-hmm. 100% I think um I think that is what people often forget sometimes. I think the automatic sort of picture you have when you see glass ceilings is women. Mm-hmm. But obviously within women, there's different, there's so many different types of just women. There's different races of women. There's, like you mentioned, neurodiverse women. So I think just to put it all under one umbrella in and of itself is unfair because you need to be understanding and you also need to be aware of the sub difficulties within every single sort of individual barrier Mm -hmm. and I think that um obviously it seems as though you guys kind of came to know about glass ceilings relatively young so do you think that in your professional working life what you had initially looked at a glass ceiling as actually manifested and actually did take place in your own professional lives I don't think I realised the severity of how a glass ceiling kind of would affect me just because I thought mm-hmm. I thought a glass ceiling, you know, I thought like my skills and kind of my education and some of the things that, you know, my abilities might be able to like break against that. But sometimes it mm-hmm. actually can't. Like I think yeah. some scenarios have had to work sometimes a bit harder than other people just because you know I'm not trying to do like the Kim Kardashian thing which is like I've been like you mm-hmm. know trying to work harder than other people but for me sometimes to actually like prove myself um I started off in consulting quite quiet um and no one really kind of like knew who I was in my previous company but then I think I just really had to put more effort and time into getting to know other people and sometimes that comes along with a lot of like exhaustion um and you know I was working longer hours to get things done so I think it's been a lot harder especially when you've gone into a working environment than what I thought it was going to be like but I think seeing the improvement in certain areas for example with my company now Slalom it's just it is really like fulfilling in a way to be a part of those dni initiatives they work for stuff like work with like code first for girls they even do stuff for neurodiverse people which i haven't really seen before like in my previous company um so they have like translators like sign language translators on like big teams calls and stuff like that yeah so it's just like stuff like that makes me feel that we're you know progressing in the right way and i just really want to be part of that progression um i guess that's why i work in doing you know dni stuff in my company because i feel like it's going to a good cause rather than just doing it for a performative thing so yeah beautiful absolutely beautiful nadia yeah no i completely agree because i think that um even all the way th- you kind of go through life even all the way through university and everything feels pretty meritocratic so what i mean by that is you know with your a levels and even with your uni grades if you work hard you get the good grades and generally that is applicable across the board Um, but yeah it wasn't until I started working that I could actually see people who I thought were kind of at the same level as me maybe doing less progressing a lot quicker which was quite difficult um, to watch and I think that's when I started sort of 
realizing it but I do think that being aware of bias is important and I think it sort of links back to my earlier point um and I, I guess I am lucky in a way that I work in such a big company and lots of people do want to change but I think that change has to want like has to come from within so I'm part of like the DNI committee within my area in consulting and we've got some really great people on the team who want to drive the change including sort of partners and sort of more senior members which is great but it would be good to see even more of that and I hope that these issues who kind of don't necessarily like these issues that don't affect certain people so for example Mm -hmm white men, white, heterosexual, older men, I hope that they start to educate themselves more. I hope that like pushing these initiatives does help to educate them and they do want to see the change because I think there's so much merit as well in having different yeah. opinions and people from different different backgrounds, um, different points of view. But yeah, that's probably my two cents on it. Mm-hmm. No, I love that 100%. I think, I think being optimistic is also kind of good in this scenario because we are still young I think we've still got a lot of our professional corporate lives ahead of us and I think just kind of being optimistic that we can obviously if we want to to be honest drive that change to see that change I think that's what's really great and I think we've got an advantage at that I think that what women in the past have seen and have experienced in terms of glass ceilings obviously, in my opinion, would have been way more dense and intense than what we have to experience, especially as um, ethnic minority women. So I feel as though, in a way, we have kind of um, optimism to rely on that as the world progresses, as we become even more globalised as uh, as a world more generally and have more exposure to people's cultures, to people's ways of life, we are going to get more aware and more educated and more just interconnected with one another. But now I am going to flip the question about glass ceilings and I am going to ask, do you guys think that glass ceilings can be looked at as a driving force to get those who are disadvantaged by it to work harder than those who are naturally in privileged positions Nadia um so I think this is quite a tricky question because it really depends on the sort of structure of your organization and again are you looking at it in an organizational perspective or are we looking at it as the sort of world or corporate world as a whole I think that being aware of the of the bias is super important to break that ceiling as it were but again I don't know if it's enough I think that as you said being positive and optimistic and educational is really good but that's also really tiring and can be quite draining um, for people Mm. to kind of do that on top of their day jobs and they have to do those day jobs well as well whereas the people who are sort of naturally in those privileged positions just kind of sit back and enjoy the ride um like all I can say is I do think that we should do our best to try and be to try and be that driving force and try and push through and try and break down barriers where we can but if is it enough I don't know I think only time will tell 100% I agree with that 
Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think, especially for our generation, I think there's a lot more people out there who are wanting to make that change. Um, think about the people that speak up uh, when, like, a political um, event or something that happens, like people on Twitter, people on TikTok, they're just using their voice to actually stand up and take, mm. you know, justice against some of the wrongdoings that have been going on. Um, we're wanting to make that change, and I think people shouldn't have to work harder to prove themselves just because they're from a disadvantaged position. Because I think being, you know, working harder, that means maybe working longer hours. That comes with feelings of frustration, exhaustion. Um, You know, people shouldn't have to do that. I think it doesn't just limit a person that, you know, the glass ceiling or being disadvantaged. It doesn't limit the person. It actually just limits the organisation as a whole and society because it creates a lack of representation, you know, for women and other minorities and leadership roles and decision-making. And there's less, you know, diverse views and opinions and perspectives out there. And that's what we need more of. You know, we need more people in with different views and different perspectives um, to come in and make that change. Um, you know, there's, you know, diff- going to be female prime ministers, you know, Rishi Sunak, you know, he's a, the first British Asian prime minister, whether that be a good thing, only time can tell because the way that this government's going, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but, but to have those different perspectives, to see that representation, you know, even though he was a Nepo baby, but, <laughs> but have that representation, I think is showing that, you know, we are going in a way where, that is something you know that's more common and I think that will be good for our generation because seeing people in those positions I think that gives me like really good hope for the future seeing more senior yeah. posi- people in that, those positions uh, from I think minorities that are women um yeah that's something that um I'm looking forward to hopefully getting that change so let's stay optimistic that's what I'm saying mm-hmm, 100% I definitely agree I think we we have the benefit of time in my opinion we've got the benefit of time to see how it will progress and like Nadia said it's not actually our responsibility wholeheartedly to be the ones that have to drive the change like I think it'll be interesting to see in like 10 years time who are the biggest drivers of change within the consulting industry within the finance industry within the tech industry like who is driving for the diversity of thought like actually genuinely at the forefront of it as opposed to those kind of on the ground pushing for it within senior management and senior leadership positions so yeah I think it's interesting like obviously we don't want people to burn out by looking at glass ceilings is just kind of like another driver to kind of overcome we want to break the glass ceiling so people can have that sort of fair um working experience obviously it'll take a long time but I think that you know what it's about putting it's about putting in the steps to get to that position and to get to that drastic change and so that leads us on to the last question what advice would you guys give to your younger selves to prepare for glass ceilings generally in your professional lives start with real yeah um so something that I've really valued having in my professional life but also just in my life in general is just having mentors or like people to look up to mm-hmm. they don't have to be you know someone in your current company um but it could be someone that you met at like a networking event or past jobs or even just a family member that might be able to relate to some of the experiences that you're going through 
um, and you don't have to limit yourself to just having one mentor because different mentors have different impacts and they give different advice um, that can help you grow you know professionally or just personally um, now I've more like I've gravitated naturally towards women that are female and from a South Asian you know Indian background that have a similar path to consulting as myself but testing and having these conversations with different people to see if they're the best fit for you is so valuable like because you know you are going to have a mentor I mean you should have a mentor it should it's really great thing to do but you know when you progress in your career hopefully you can be your mentor for someone that was in a similar position to you you should be able to you know when you're in a senior position because I'm sure a lot of you listening will be because you're probably all amazing um you know (laughs) you'll be helping others to develop and grow with you because you should be uplifting people um you know regardless of where they're from what gender they are what by ethnic background I just like remember I was speaking to Angela earlier today and I was going to say I was going to mention this anecdote and she was like go for it um so I remember when when we were working together on a Diwali event which is crazy that's like a whole year ago but um her coach asked me for a quick line of feedback um before the end of the day um and he was like just give me quick like one line of feedback and I can add it to her end of year review and I just thought to myself like that feedback could go a long way in you know how well she does at the end of her internship and I was like I've got client work to do but I wanted to prioritize that for her because I knew that it was so valuable just you know even if it was I I remember just writing like two paragraphs and I was like saying how amazing she was and you know she killed in that Diwali event and just in North Ireland helping with diversity inclusion in general um and he said like he replied her coach replied like thank you so much you didn't like wow you wrote so much and I was like yeah because she deserves it like you want to I just wanted to help people and in the sense of like uplifting people because I was you know I was an intern at one point and I want to like give those opportunities to the same people so have a mentor and you know uplift people when you're in senior positions that were in the same position as you that's my advice to my younger self beautiful that is so beautiful I could cry yeah no I totally agree about having the the mentor thing I think that's super important but I actually wrote a little list um which is really lame but I would say my advice to my younger self would be think about how you present yourself if you want to be taken seriously especially as Mm -hmm. um a woman of color or whatever intersectionality that you you know you are I think I saw a stat somewhere it was actually to do with Asian women um but it said it was essentially saying that they had to basically look three times as professional and and well-dressed and well turned out as a white woman to be taken as seriously otherwise they were not deemed professional um Another thing was also something that my mum taught me was to to was to lower the tone of my voice because I naturally have a really high pitched voice. I haven't toned it down for this podcast, but when speaking to men, if you tone your voice down, they tend to take you more take you more seriously. Um, I put also try and get involved in DNI initiatives. Um, or social or charity initiatives that are important to you so that you can actually drive that change and as you progress hopefully um, to become senior that will kind of those things are important to you and you help drive that change and then leading on to Raoul's point of the mentors which is probably the most important one but build a network from a, a young age not like super young but as soon as you start working or even from your internships having mentors having friends who you can relate to across 
your industry across your sector really does help because you can just have like uh you can share like advice and you can just have a forum like I'll chat to Rial I might have a moan on some days but this <laughs> bug me or you know we'll talk about how much things have changed and I think that's really nice because as you progress as well you know someone might work somewhere that you want to work to or they might have an insight in an, in another company so I think that really helps having that mentor having that network and I think that will also help to build confidence as well because if you're surrounded by people who are sort of facing similar struggles or um, similar journeys, then you can just like, share advice and help each other out as well. I 100% agree. I think mentors is so underrated. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that people, I definitely wouldn't have instantly thought of getting a mentor. And I think it's something that in the long run is so undeniably beneficial and something that definitely should be at the forefront of people that are just entering their career's mind, just generally. But yeah, I love all of those pieces of advice and I will be taking them on. I will 100% be taking them all on. And so I think we're going to round up here. Thank you so much to both of you. Like This has been incredibly educational and hope anyone listening to this has also found it educational and just interesting to hear the actual perspective of women when it comes to glass ceilings because guys it's real it is real it is very much real but thank you again to Nadia and Rial thank you so much guys and we will be back with another episode of the behind her success podcast very very soon so please keep your eye out thank you so much for listening thank you for supporting and we'll see you all very very soon bye